0: Welcome to the Tate Wheeler Podcast, a podcast about inspiration, perspective, and purpose. Let's do this. One moment can change everything. At the snap of a finger, your life, your goals, and dreams could be completely changed. Jack Jablonski had that moment happen at 16. In 2011, Jack broke two vertebrae and severed his spinal cord. After being checked into the boards in a hockey game, Jack's story was well publicized. If you need a refresher, check out the show notes for the E60 story. When I asked Jack to be on my podcast, my focus was diving deeper into how he's able to keep pushing towards new goals and dreams after his injury, how his story is not finished. I left this conversation feeling inspired by his honest perspective and I'm confident you will too. Here's my conversation with Jack Jablonski, a.k.a. Jabs. Jabs, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Tate.
0: As you reflect back on the last nine years since the injury that changed your life forever, what are some key lessons that stand out to you?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think you go back to the very beginning and Uh, you know, life isn't always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, having had my whole life turned around and flipped upside down just uh, after turning 16, you know, it it was a tough realization and and obviously something that um, was going to impact me for the rest of my life, as you mentioned. And I think it was just a matter of, you know, understanding the reality of what was ahead. And, um, you know, for anybody who deals with you know, adversity or, or whatever it may be in life where things don't go their way. Uh, you know, I just kind of had to understand that this was going to be in front of me. And I was, I had two options. And it was one to, to lay in bed and, and pout and moan and, and, you know, think life was over. Uh, or the opposite of, you know, get out, prove the doctors wrong and, and, and truly. Uh, you know, be someone that can, you know, stand up for something that, you know, unfortunately happens in the world, but uh, try to make a difference. And obviously we'll get into some of that uh, as the conversation goes on. But, you know, I think that was the big thing for me early on of just, you know, focusing on, you know, what's in front of me and knowing that, you know, I have the ability to to make a decision and you know, it was the decision right then and there was something that was going to uh, change the outcome of my life uh, for the rest of it, but at the same time, um, you know, for a lot of people surrounding me as well.
0: So when when it first happened, it left you as a quadriplegic. How soon did you get your, you know, your mobility and your arms? How, how soon did you get that back?
1: So, uh, you know, when I was injured, um, the doctors told me that I would likely never get really anything back on the left side of my body and that uh the right side would be lucky to be able to bend my right arm and uh you know naive 16-year-old me was obviously like mm, what do you know <laughs> like I'll prove you wrong screw you and you know I, at the same time like you understand that the doctors have to give you the worst case scenario right and, and for me it was you know denial and you know, all, you know, screw you. You don't know what you're talking about. And for me, that was, you know, motivation because, you know, for me as an athlete, especially, you know, a competitive athlete that had aspirations to, to play, you know, for a long, long time, it was all about setting goals and accomplishing that. And when it was in the weight room, it was about you know, being able to, to add five more pounds or do a few more sets than I used to. And that I think carried me a long way after my injury and. Uh, you know, they're like, Hey, you're not going to be able to do this. And I was like, I'll show you. And within a week I was already starting to bend my right arm and kind of happened, uh, you know, early evening one day and my brother was at hockey practice. He came back and, uh, I like, you know, we set him up to, to be next to me, uh, on the side of the bed. And then I was able to kind of bend my right arm and hit him. And obviously that, you know, younger brother reaction was like, Hey, what the heck? Don't do that!" <laughs> and then he's like, wait, no, do it again. Do it again. Right. So it was kind of situations like that where it was just goal setting and, and being able to uh, accomplish what you weren't supposed to. And at the same time for me, to, to get back to your question is, you know, within a week I was able to do that, and within a few months I was starting to move both sides of my body and, and being able to, to get everything back that I have now. And you know, the, the rule of thumb, or at least the, the way that the doctors kind of put it with paralysis is, uh, you know, within the first eighteen months, that's what you're going to physically be able to to recover. You know, the the movement of, you know, your fingers or your hands, or your function on being able to activate these muscles. After that, it unfortunately is a little bit more of a plateau, uh, and then you know here or there something will happen. Um, uh, but for me, it was all about just taking it one day at a time and. and you know that meant in the hospital four and a half hours of therapy mm-hmm. some schooling and obviously you know educating myself on what was to come in the future with my injury and how to react to that and prepare myself to to be ready for the the future as it came
0: yeah i love that and that's and we're going to get more into that as as we move in the podcast but one thing that i'm so inspired by is your drive and your grit and i define grit as refusing to give up pushing yourself every day grinding through today to make a better tomorrow? What gives you that drive and that grit? I mean, we're nine years later and you're still putting yourself through that grueling regimen.
1: Yeah. You know, I think for me, it was always that, um, you know, it starts with, uh, I knew I had so much support and so many people that that were behind me and wanted to to see me recover and do well after what had happened. And uh, the the first thing for me was I didn't want to let down my family and uh, my friends and all the people that have, you know, spent their time wishing me well and praying for me and stuff like that. But I think internally it was a matter of, you know, knowing that if I were to, to work my ass off and I were to, to put in the time and the hustle to get back to what I wanted to do, and that's to get on my feet, that it was going to take a, uh, a lot of effort and a lot of good days and bad days. And if I didn't, then it was going to be a a sorrow, lonely life. And I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, someone deciding to do something or or not doing it. But for me, it was a matter of knowing that I had an opportunity to get back into the world and recover and start a new life after something had happened and made that decision to, to look forward from that point on
0: you said good days and bad days, like how did you balance, how do you juggle those good days and bad days?
1: Yeah. What a question because, you know, for me, I think post-injury, you know, we always, you know, everyone in the world has good days and bad days. And for me, I think they're a little escalated on both ends. You know, the bad days of, you know, waking up at seven o'clock just so I can get somewhere at nine 30 because I have to go through a morning routine and I have to, you know, have someone help me get out of bed and get me into bed and stuff like that. You know, it's balancing and understanding that, you know, some days you're just like, wow, I literally can't get out of bed on my own. And, you know, it, it hits you, it hits you hard, but it's a matter of, you know, taking advantage of, you know, those good days, whether it's a, a breakthrough physically for myself or something goes great in work or a, Whatever it may be, it's just, you know, taking those good days, you know, not necessarily for granted, but understanding that the highs always have to be lower than the lows. And I think that's just a matter of changing your perspective. You know, I unfortunately ended up in the hospital a few weeks back because of an infection and, you know, it, you know, blank hit the fan and I was in the hospital in the midst of a COVID pandemic by myself for four days. And, you know, that was a, a low. But at the same time, you know, the high was so much better of getting out and getting back into my own bed and being able to to come home and, and be able to get back to my life and work and, and be able to watch TV instead of, you know, whatever was on the TV that I didn't have a choice. So it's just a matter of changing the perspective to understanding that, you know, wow, this is a breakthrough. I'm going to take advantage of that and go with it opposed to you know, sitting on those sorrows because it can bottle up a lot of times. And unfortunately, if it does, it can really, you know, start to spin someone around in a negative manner.
0: Yeah. Did, did you ever get down, like really down where it was hard to come back out of it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it started in a hospital, uh, you know, early on. I, obviously made the decision to, to go after it and try to set an example of positivity and, and facing adversity and, and being that, you know, face and figure to, to overcome something that, you know, they say is impossible. Um, but even in those times, you know, you have that mindset and, you know, the days get lonely in the hospital early on, or, you know, for instance, when I came home from the hospital and, and that was it, I was, you know, discharged and, onto the real world, it was extremely tough to acclimate to society. And, uh, you know, to go back uh, and realize that, you know, you have the ability to, to make the decision and, and mode and, you know, be able to, you know, try to change things, you know, moving forward, is something that I think anyone can take uh, as long as they truly understand their inner selves.
0: Right, exactly. And we're going to get back to that as well. But I want to talk about, you mentioned those, those highs and uh, your yeah. dream as a kid, you know, play professional hockey in the NHL. And yeah. what did it mean for you to go from a Minnesota kid to a USC student to an L.A. Kings intern and now like just you're a year in to, uh, you know, the full time content coordinator for the Kings, it's fulfilling part of your dream. You know, you work in the NHL. yeah now.
1: Absolutely you know it started in the hospital and I was very fortunate to have a lot of support as as I've kind of mentioned and uh, as many people know and for me to to have the opportunity to you know go to USC you know I worked my my butt off to to get the grades to get in there after my injury and you know uh, I'll be the first one to admit it you know when I was not injured and and pre paralysis you know school was an afterthought it was always about playing hockey and and getting to the next level and you know, trying to, to find that next opportunity to work your way up in the, in the sports world. But, you know, I realized that, you know, as much as I wanted to become a pro athlete and had that taken away from me, I, I knew that, you know, as long as I, you know, put my priorities straight and worked academically and, and understood that that was what was going to help me, you know, move forward in, in life. Uh, you got into USC and, you know, was, was very grateful to have an amazing uh, time there. And, uh, you know, in the midst of college, I, you know, was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to intern for the Los Angeles Kings and, you know, worked my way up uh, in the four years that I interned for for the Kings. And then post-grad, we mutually agreed to, to keep things going. And, you know, I, I, I go back to, you know, the beginning of my academic life as a junior when I came in on that first day. And you know, I'm by no means the smartest academic person. I didn't have a 4.0 and I didn't have a 36 on the ACT but I did what I needed to do to, to continue to follow my dream. And for me, it was always to be able to play in the NHL and having that taken away. The next one was to be able to have an impact on an NHL organization and an impact. Obviously, I think the end goal for me is to be a part of the management where you can still make decisions that have outcomes successfully, you know, on the ice and be a part of the decision-making that leads to success. And that's a long ways away. But for me to be where I am today and still have a job with the Los Angeles Kings is something that I'm proud of. But at the same time, you know, very fortunate to have the pieces fall in the right places. And I think that all stemmed from hard work and dedication to doing the right things in the in the journey. You know, from high school through college, and then obviously uh, now post college.
0: Yeah would you would you say like you were able to to see that dream quickly? Like how did you? Really know that you wanted to go you wanted to get out of Minnesota, you had such a support system here, obviously that got you in there but like how how quickly were yeah. you able to shift that dream and then really find that mix to to put yourself in a position because it's you know that's not yeah not easy
1: it it was interesting because you know everything I had was in Minnesota, and then you graduate and went into to college at USC and I had no idea what I was getting myself into in terms of moving halfway across the country, uh, moving away from, you know, my family, my younger brother uh, and everything that I had, everyone that was, you know, here, if I made one phone call and they'd be at the house to help, whether it's friends, it's parents, friends of parents, family, etc. And to move uh, into USC, it was a shock. It was a culture shock for sure. I mean, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis, so by no means am I like a, a small town boy. But you know, you go into to Los Angeles, and I'd mm-hmm. been there once prior, and that was when I visited. Uh, and then to come to USC, it was uh, something that you know I challenged myself to not necessarily start over, but to to really be myself. And I think I lost that a little bit towards the end when I was in high school because I felt the pressure of having to be a certain person. Um, that I think the media, you know, made me out to be. And by no means was it someone I completely wasn't. It was just, I had that pressure of always having to to be professional and always had to, to be this well put together person. And I couldn't always act like an 18 year old that wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. So it was something that I kind of got away from. And then to be able to go through college and Focus on, you know, following my dreams, you know, it was an opportunity that I was fortunate to have and you know, meeting up with the Kings and, you know, finding a, a mutually beneficial uh, a job for both of us. And, you know, I think all of that goes back to being able to, you know, kind of just get away and, and refocus on who I really was and where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be, uh, you know, post high school.
0: I love that because I... I say often on the podcast, like no progress is made in our comfort zones and you like literally had this comfort zone at home, but you needed to be, you needed to be you like you needed to grow up. Like that's such a pivotal time. I think about, you know, leaving for, for college me a few years earlier than you, but, um, (laughs) you know, I remember those times and that's like, you, you really, you know, that's kind of where you build your character. That's where you kind of come into yourself. And I, I love that you did that because I mean, think about where you are now and what, how that's evolved. Like, just, I don't know. I, I think things happen for a reason and it made you probably grow up a little bit faster than maybe you even thought you wanted to. Would you say that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was forced to grow up the second I got injured. It was a matter of dealing with real world problems. And, you know, you look back and, you know, for me, the way I, I kind of saw it was life was perfect before I got injured. You know, I was on the varsity team of a top two program in the state uh, playing the game that I loved uh i had a great friend group i was you know doing well in school everything was going great you know it's christmas break you know, everything's perfect you know you don't have anything to worry about and then to have the you know the injury happen you know you were forced to grow up and and your childhood wasn't necessarily over at that point but all of a sudden you put a lot of different pressures and problems on not only myself, but our family as well to, to handle things differently. And I couldn't just, you know, be a 16 year old that, you know, was in the middle of high school that didn't have to, to worry about anything other than school and and girls and, and sports. And for me, I think as that evolved, you know, going back to, uh, you know, putting, you know, pressure on yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, Uh, that was exactly what college was for. And I think that's what every college should be for. It's about growing up. It's about figuring out who you are as a person, but also, you know, pushing yourself to, to do things that you necessarily wouldn't have in high school. And for me, you know, coming to California, I was able to start over in a sense of meet people as Jack or as Jabs uh, without the the story behind who I was. And mm-hmm. college provided me that opportunity where they could get to know me for, for who I was as a person and my personality and, you know, what I liked opposed to knowing, you know, hey, there's a guy who has 50,000 followers on Twitter and here's this crazy story and he's always in the media. So that was something that, you know, would come out uh, after I got to know people in college and and I was like, oh, by the way, opposed to being that mm-hmm. guy who's like, oh, that's Jack in a wheelchair, you know, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. In Minnesota, you know, everyone was always kind of paying attention. You put a pressure on yourself, but at the same time, I think that was what college is for, is just kind of getting away, starting over, and, and being myself at, at an 18-year-old level opposed to being that 16-year-old that had his injury change his life forever in Minnesota.
0: Right. Do you still? Is that still a struggle for people? I mean, your your story is is very well known, but is that? I mean, people come to you maybe with a a, a perception of who you are. Is that still a battle um for you to just, you know, just be real and authentic?
1: Mm, I think it's gotten better just because I've grown up and I've matured. I mm-hmm. think you know I understand when when people come to me uh, whether it's for help or it's just. Uh, for somehow, some way that I've impacted them in in the past or the uh, help them get through whatever they were going through, just through my story, I realize how much of a compliment it is, and mm-hmm. you know, know that uh, having been able to impact people, whether I know them or not, has been something that I take pride in, and obviously hope to continue to do. But at the same time, it's just a matter of trying to set a good example of of someone who. Uh, had a lot taken away, but didn't let that, you know, finish them off and, and didn't let that kind of end their story. It was just the beginning for me.
0: Yeah. And speaking of not ending your story, uh, one part of your story is that you can have a breakthrough. Like I know you talked about recently, like being able to start to wiggle your toes at times and then you go weeks or maybe even months without feeling like you're making any progress, you know, in your ultimate goal of walking again, skating again, Um, on a hard day or days or weeks for that matter um, where you feel like you went backwards, backwards, what do you focus on to push yourself forward?
1: It's knowing the satisfaction of uh, that feeling when you are able to accomplish something. And for me, you know, as I mentioned earlier, after 18 months of my injury, that was when the spinal cord swelling was away and that was when everything you know kind of became that's your normal mm-hmm. and I knew that you know post 18 months I wasn't going to keep progressing like I had from day one of my injury to 18 months out because that was insane you went from being uh, a body lying in a bed that could barely move as and that couldn't move you know say in the first week to then leaving the hospital and then 18 months down the road as a you know a junior middle of the year and midterms that was kind of where it kind of stopped and that's where the progress you know basically plateaued as i mentioned in, in terms of you know i wasn't going to be able to just start picking up my feet anymore or it, in the sense of like that wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. what i had is what i had and i had to be able to build off of that and get stronger with the muscles that i could activate and keep working my butt off at the hopes that you know, when the doctors say your your injury is completely severed and there's nothing below, you know, your your nipple line, so to speak, it's a matter of, okay, well that's what you said and I'm already starting to do this. I just need to keep building off of that. Right. And you talk about, you know, going a long time without having progress or satisfaction. And it happens a lot, unfortunately, because that's the reality of paralysis. You know, you have a spinal cord that is severed, completely severed, not completely severed, whoever, you know, is dealing with paralysis or or anything, you know, relatable within their lives. Um, But it's a matter of understanding that if you are able to accomplish that and you continue to keep working hard uh, or continue to focus on that goal, whether it's physically, you know, mentally uh, related to work, you know, that satisfaction of accomplishing said goal is going to be 10 times, better of a feeling than not having uh, been able to, to handle it and given up uh, and not let yourself push and, and try to continue to, to be better as a human and obviously internally and externally as well.
0: Right. And one thing that just continues to impress me as, as I hear you speak and just the clarity that you speak with, you know, you have this positivity, this outgoing, friendly nature, this just positive mindset and outlook. Is that something you've always had, like, you know, even even before the injury? Like, it's just that's just your makeup.
1: I think yes and no. I, I, you know, as I talked about, I I was forced to grow up. And Mm -hmm. I think that was a a big moment uh, post-injury of the realization of like, okay, you know, this has happened. And now I have to to be someone that I wasn't ready to be, but Mm -hmm. was forced to be. You know, I wasn't you know, able to, to live out a lot of what I wanted to do in my childhood, or I wasn't able to, to have a lot of the fun uh, that I used to, uh, or that, you know, everyone around me was having because of my injury. I was forced to put a lot of things to the side that a normal 16, 17, 18 year old high schooler would be doing with his friends and, and spending, you know, late nights and this and that. Well, I couldn't. And for me, I think, you know, my personality Uh, I was a lot more, you know, shy or quieter, um, kind of was always around and having a good time, but I wasn't the one, you know, leading the conversation by any means um, pre-injury. And then all of a sudden post-injury, you know, everything was centered around me. And that, you know, is in terms of whenever I entered the room, it was always like, okay, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, what do you need? Because I couldn't handle I couldn't help myself to anything. I needed mm-hmm. a lot of help. So I think that kind of you know forced me to, to change a little bit of who I was into someone that you know became more vocal. And you know, I think the the warmth or you know the positive attitude that I have and had pre-injury is something that's always been there. I think it just became a little bit more vocal because of the situation that I was put in after I got injured.
0: Would you say that? Uh, that you wouldn't be in your current position with the Kings without, without that though? Like without, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today and who knows where I would be uh, if it, if this never happened, obviously I, you know, wish it never had happened, but you know, given the situation and, and everything that has happened, I, I'm so thankful for everything that's, that's happened since my injury in terms of support and people Mm -hmm. wanting to help and and just, you know, all the, the time and dedication, whether it's in school or in therapy that I put in uh, to get where I am today. But by all means, you're you're exactly right. There's no way I would ever uh, have ended up as a as a you know full time employee of the Los Angeles Kings had none of this had happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that because it's like our life is as good as our mindset. And I love that your mindset is just dialed into what you what you can control moving forward in your effort yeah. and your attitude. Uh, moving forward. So let's speak to someone listening right now. Um, They, they, they've heard your story, but they, they're trying to relate, but they're feeling defeated. You know, they're losing hope. Uh, They maybe want to quit. What would you say to a person that's going through that type of struggle?
1: Well, I think obviously the number one thing is, is don't quit. Don't give up on, on your dream or don't give up on life or, or whatever it may be, because, you know, there's better days to come. And while, you know, someone may be at rock bottom or things aren't going their way, you know, I think it's a matter of believing in yourself and and understanding that if you put in the time and you put in the work to to be able to put yourself in a position to succeed, it will happen. And I think you know, the one thing I always kind of lived by was, you know, I understand my injury, I don't accept it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, it was a matter of, okay. This has happened to me, and I mean this just on a vague term for anyone who's listening. And now I'm not gonna let that define me. I'm gonna be someone better than that or someone that changes how I'm described. You know, whether I'm a failure or whether I'm someone who's, you know, not you know, catching the brakes. It's a matter of, you know, understanding that, hey, okay, you know, I understand where I'm at, but I'm not gonna let this, you know, take control. I'm not gonna accept you know, the position I'm in, I'm going to make a change and, you know, it can go any which way, but I think that is the biggest thing for me. It's understanding your situation, but not accepting it.
0: Right. Right. I think it's a powerful lesson for anyone listening is that, I mean, there's, there is hope. There is always hope and there always are, is better days ahead. No matter how low you are right now, there's better days ahead, no doubt. So let's take a moment to, to talk about your foundation. um, The Believe Foundation, the Jack Lebansky Foundation and what that's done to raise awareness and dollars for paralysis treatment
1: so yeah the jack jawanski foundation uh we created on the one year anniversary of my injury and a lot of reasoning to that was i was very very fortunate to have a lot of people support financially and um, in any different way and and facet in that one year that uh out of my injury and i think you know, we got to the one-year anniversary of my injury and i think it was for me and my family and a lot of supporting people that were around us who helped uh, make a lot of decisions it was a matter of like okay this year has obviously been about me but it's time to give back and that was exactly what the the point of the foundation was is okay i've been very fortunate in life to have a lot of gifts and and people that want to help but now i want to be able to help the people that are in my position, mm-hmm. and. Knowing that uh, I had so much, you know, that went my way. I knew that there are, you know, millions of people out there that didn't have the support that I did and didn't have 35 people in my hospital room every single night and they were by themselves. And it was a matter of, okay, I understand how awful it is to have paralysis and I'm living a very, very lucky life in terms of people with paralysis, whether it be opportunity or resources or, you know, support, et cetera. So it was a matter of giving back and starting to raise money to end paralysis. And that's what our foundation is here for. We're here to, to dig into the scientific world of, of you know, the, the next uh, breakthrough within paralysis recovery, you know, inside the surgical room or inside the medical world of devices to be able to to improve people's lives with paralysis. And I understand that, you know, tomorrow we're not going to have a device that gets people up with paralysis and and lets them walk. But what we are here for is improving people's lives, making it easier, uh, making people more independent. And we've raised well over a million dollars, um, for a few different overall, but for a few different projects that we've really put our time and money into of working with the Mayo Clinic and epidural stimulation, which is, a surgically implanted device that goes into someone's back and then, you know, obviously the electrodes of uh, of the device that's inside of, uh, of the body next to the spinal cord is connected and activates a lot of muscles. You know, for instance, the first person that uh, was able to do it at Mayo Clinic that we uh, fully uh, financed uh, went from a walker to, or went from being a paraplegic to being able to walk with a walker the length of a football field That's amazing. by himself—that's amazing. So it's it's things like that that give people with paralysis hope, and uh, knowing that there are you know advancements within the technological world in paralysis that provide you know independence and being able to to improve everything that uh, someone with paralysis doesn't have is something that I take a lot of pride in, and our foundation does as well
0: it's amazing. I'll make sure I include that if anyone wants more information, I'll include that in the show notes. So definitely take a look at that. Something you said in there, um I think about this year of covid that we just got got well, we're almost through.
1: Hopefully through, yeah. Yes.
0: And um there's there's two words like um you know, separation, isolation. Like I think that you know, separation and isolation make us weak and community yeah. and being together, that's what that's what strengthens us. Um you, you talked about how big of a community and support system you have uh, moving forward. Do you do you think that's just important that, you know, someone's someone's listening or, you know, they, they've had their own struggles, just like finding that community is such a big part of, you know, getting through this time?
1: Oh, I, absolutely. I think you need to surround yourself with the right people. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people have made in not being around the right people, people that are going to push you, people that are going to tell you like it is and and tell you if you're being lazy or tell you
0: if you're
1: (laughs) you're not working hard enough. Right. You know, I think that's something that uh, we get comfortable with. You know, we Mm -hmm. find ourselves around people who make us comfortable, which is most, you know, extremely important, but at the same time, you know, they need to be able to tell you like it is. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times, you know, and everyone's guilty of this, I think of, of just being content with what's going on. And, you know, in terms of wanting to push yourself or, or, you know, be who you want to be and not be who you are. You know, it's about that community of of finding people with you know like mindedness in terms of uh, people that have the same aspirations or people that have the same drive. Whether you're talking about the same thing or not, but absolutely, community is everything. It's about finding the right people to to support yourself with uh, and be able to to build off of because I think that helps you grow as a person. Um, but it also helps you evolve,
0: right? One hundred percent. Think about that. It's like you got to have somebody that tells you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. You got to have oh, at least
1: a- no question. <laughs> it has to be that way. And you know, for me personally, you hate it when they do, but it's, it's <laughs> the right thing to to be told. And, and you, know, you don't always want to be told what you have to hear, and you'd rather mm-hmm. just get what you want. But at the same time, you know, it, it's a tough world, and if you you're comfortable with being lied to or, or not being told the truth is mm-hmm. something that I think can set you back or not allow you to, to keep progressing forward in life.
0: Right. Exactly. It's like almost like that circle, you know, if it's, if it becomes so comfortable, like you're never are going to hit that next level. You're never going to keep striving for more. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I've, I've always been a believer, like you're the average of your five closest circles. So if you don't have somebody in that circle, that's challenging you, it's time to time to add somebody to your circle to level up a little bit. Yeah.
1: I mean meeting people is so important and you know whether that's just having conversations with your neighbor that you don't know or finding someone in the gym that you know has the same work ethic as you you know it can go in any d- different direction but you know it's extremely important to to keep pushing yourself to to meet new people and to find people with the same uh, or identical, you know, aspirations as you.
0: Is there, I mean, this is not something we talked about, we're gonna have, is there somebody in your life that's been that for you consistently, like pushing you to that next threshold?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, my mom and my dad, you know, they've always pushed me to to continue to be better and, uh, you know, not be comfortable with, you know, not going to therapy and, you know, eating healthy and stuff like that. It's always something along those lines that they're always, you know, in your ear about. And, you know, for me, I think, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, those people around you, it's friends in college that, you know, are doing great and work their asses off and and make you want to do the same thing and, and prove to, you know, you and your friends that, you know, it's not just about, you know, being comfortable but at the same time always improving and always Mm -hmm. wanting to to get that next step and you know for me that means literally it's always about trying to take that next step and for me in therapy i think a lot of my trainers are those people who push me you know they know if i'm not doing you know the right things you know on the weekends or when i'm not at the facilities you know they they they're well aware if i'm not trying (laughs) and they'll be uh you know they'll be the first ones to tell me that that's not something that's going to be okay. And it's just going to backfire. So, um, it's important obviously to have those people around you at the same time. Yeah. For me, it's, it's the parents, it's, you know, my younger brother and, and I think a lot of the trainers that
0: I work with as well. It's good accountability right there. Absolutely. So many people remember your story. Uh, like we talked about, it's, it's, you know, I even think about the E60 story when I like, Mm -hmm. balling at the, you know, throughout that one, um, they remember the stick tap too, man, that stick tap is powerful where you, like everyone together on that stick tap. Um, but your story's not finished. And I, uh, I think, you know, you've proven that you've beaten the odds and I know that you will continue to beat the odds because you believe that you will. What's, Mm -hmm. what's Jab's dream, you know, moving forward, you know, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to to beat paralysis and to continue to grow our foundation and continue to raise money and to continue to build awareness uh, within this community. You know, I think it's unfortunately doesn't get a lot of the hype or the uh, attention that other things do. And by all means, anything and anyone that's trying to raise money for a cause uh I'm not trying to put them down by any right case, is it is
0: it six million in in North America that
1: yeah well there's uh I believe one, 1. 1.3 that are living with uh, paralysis from a spinal cord injury and then there's another uh, like six or seven million that also have paralysis whether it's from something else um uh, but for for the foundation you know I want that to grow into something that, can be a huge difference maker across the nation and be able to impact people's, uh, you know, livelihoods uh, with paralysis in terms of making people more independent, giving people back more function. Um, because I think that's extremely overlooked within paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you look at someone with paralysis in a wheelchair, and the first thing you think is, okay, well, yeah, they can't walk. But if you ask anyone in an identical situation to myself, if we could have anything back, it's about hand function because that would make me much more independent. I could do things on my own. I wouldn't have to depend on people to support me 24 seven. And I know I went a little bit off topic there from your original question, Mm -hmm. um, but that is within the foundation uh, of what I want myself to become and what I want that to become. Uh, On top of that, I think when you look professionally and, and personally, you know, for me, it's all about staying healthy because, Uh, Unfortunately, people with paralysis are very prone to ending up in the hospital. And because of that, uh, they end up with a lot shorter lives or lifespan. Um, So it's about staying healthy, staying in shape, being ready for when that next medical advancement comes so that I'm not, you know, ineligible because I've put myself in a position where I, I can't improve or there's other people in front of me because I didn't take care of myself And then I think from a work perspective, it's just about continuing to grow and and continuing to learn within the world of sports and the world of hockey, Um, whether it's, you know, how to be professional or it's just a matter of trying to gain the knowledge that can someday put me in a position to be a part of, you know, uh, a team that makes the decision that leads to uh, someone's success on the ice. So kind of all over the map there, but I think in the big picture, that kind of rounds everything out.
0: Right. I love it. I mean, it's it's drive. I mean, you have the selfless act of where you want to get to with the foundation. You have your you you have it, like your personal and and your career aspirations all in, intertwined. And I think that's that's powerful because it, it 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 fills all the buckets, right? Like you're you're not yeah. only working on something for yourself, but for your career, but to then serve others as well. So I think that's a a, a trifecta right there. I mean, that's it's again, you're wise beyond your years in that mix. So. <laughs> Uh, just kind of forced
1: to be a little bit, but <laughs> you know I appreciate that. Yeah,
0: just kind of close us out with anyone that hears your story, anyways, hears your message. Um, maybe it's just something that that's been on your heart that you haven't got a chance to maybe speak out yet. That um, that you just want to share um, about your journey, about your story, about anything with within your life or in the current um, structure of the world. Just wide open to you, Jabs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the big thing first is that, like, a lot of stuff that's been presented in the media about myself is always, you know, the good of good things and the best mm-hmm. moments that I've had, and, you know, behind closed doors, it's obviously not easy, you know, when you're forced to, to have someone help you get out of bed in the morning and help you shower and help you get ready for the day and then have to be helped put in bed and can't do anything on your own, it's obviously... You know, that's the reality of paralysis. And I think that can be forgotten a lot of times because anytime I do end up in the media, it's like, oh, he's done this. What an awesome job. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I could not be more thankful for anyone who puts the time in and, and wants to to hear about my story or tell someone or share the news of when I've been able to, you know, make a huge step forward. But behind those closed doors is, you know, working your ass off for, you know, two and a half hours a day in therapy you know, multiple times a week. And then, you know, on top of that, working a full-time job and, and, you know, beyond that, still trying to figure yourself out as a human in society and in your social life as well. But I, you know, I think that's something that can get overlooked um, in my world. Um, and then on top of that, no, I think it's just about, you know, taking advantage of opportunities. You know, and you know, opportunities are earned, you know, they're not given. You know, mm-hmm. you put yourself in positions to to be able to to have that opportunity, to get that promotion, or to to have an opportunity to to make that next, you know, advancement, you know, in a career best of a workout or whatever it may be. It's just a matter of understanding that, you know, you have to put in the work to be able
0: to get the opportunity. I love it, man. And speaking of opportunity, just very much appreciate the opportunity to to sit down with you, um, get your perspective, uh, learn, grow. I know that our audience is better for, for having listened to it. So I appreciate you so much for taking time. Uh, out of out of your busy schedule like you just mentioned to hop on with this and just continue to inspire and I, I love what I love about your story is man you're still growing you're still grinding and uh, you still have so many amazing you've, you've accomplished so many amazing things but I know with your mindset your attitude your effort you're going to do so many more amazing things and I love that
1: it's just the beginning but uh, no I appreciate it thanks for having me on Tate
0: absolutely thanks Jeffs. what an incredible story of perseverance. And I believe we all can agree that Jabs' story is far from finished. His inspiration and perspective are going to continue moving forward. So remember to hit the subscribe button. If you have a comment for Jabs, leave it in the comment section in the reviews. And uh, in in a way that only Jabs can, I'm going to let him close this out uh, with a stick tap.
1: We can get up from anything. Believe.